0: Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're starting a new book of the New Testament. I was telling our congregation, uh, I believe it was last night, uh, that, that COVID's been going on for, for about six months. I think a little over that. So we've done about half of the New Testament. I haven't taken the time to look at the page numbers or chapters or anything like that. Uh, but being that this is a, a year long process of going through five chapters of the New Testament per week, uh, we, we are close to, uh, or right around, halfway through the New Testament. So if you've been with us from the very beginning, uh, you can say you have officially uh, looked at and studied and meditated upon half of the New Testament in 2020. And that's really is, is the goal. Uh, And chances are we'll get through the whole Old Testament before all this stuff is over with. Uh, With that said, uh, 1 Timothy is a special book for every minister. Uh, The next three books we'll look at is 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus. These are known as the Pastoral epistles. What you have is Paul uh, writing as a mentor to the mentoree, I don't know if that's a word, um, uh, about ministry. Uh, how to pastor local churches, what is expected of them. And so these three books are ones that uh, uh, ministers go to quite quite often. Um, I have preached through uh, Titus, is the shortest of the three, uh, whenever I was an interim pastor in Breckinridge County, and it was a real delight that I got to talk more about uh, what does a minister look like? Um, and what are the expectations? How, what, what about the relationship between pastor and church, and the church and the pastor? Um, and it uh, was really a, a joy, something, something we, we may do again. But with that said, 1 Timothy 1 starts with some of the basic stuff uh, Paul is writing to uh, perhaps his closest uh, student of ministry. I do think Titus would be up there, among others. Uh, Barnabas and Apollos and and Luke and and others but certainly uh, Timothy was a close associate of Paul Um, and he begins actually with a warning he says in verse 3 as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than stewardship for God that is by faith the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith certain persons by swearing swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things by which they make confident assertions uh, what a beginning isn't it uh, n- notice that Timothy is called to stay in Ephesus in order to secure sound doctrine uh, for the next generation of, of the church. It's a key uh, importance of the pastor. So, so let's just pause for a minute and think that, that the pastor's primary job is not to visit everybody uh, whenever they have an ingrown toenail. As important as that might be. Uh, his primary responsibility is a theological one it is to secure that the people are rightly built up into Christ and that they they, they they understand and grow in proper doctrine because there is a tendency among the people of God every organization does this but certainly within the church to chase their tail right to get distracted by lesser things and as a result uh, we we we, we uh, uh, we make mountains out of molehills. We molehills out of mountains. And So Timothy is to come and say, look, there are some who, who are going to discover that little nugget in the Bible, and, and they're going to devote so much time and effort to it at the cost of building up the church, of of growing spiritually and whatnot. And he gives a few examples, like the endless genealogies. If you ever study the Jewish literature that's outside the Bible, like 1st, 2nd, Enoch, Jubilee, and other, you're going to understand what is really meant by, by some of this. It gets quite chaotic and if you allow it, it can consume you. Uh, growing up in um, conservative churches, having ministered in conservative churches, um, things like uh, the end times would would be a, a good one. Um, and I would also add in the 21st century, particularly in the last decade, I've seen an increase of conspiracy among the people of God. That's true just in general. Both the left and the right, because we're driven by hate, we view the other the lens of conspiracy they're doing that because their end game is this or that right uh, uh, that's that's fueled by hate um, but it does show up in in the church that that sort of line of thinking, not necessarily hate uh, but but sort of conspiratorial uh, uh, thinking um, and and it is important to 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 say look these things may be important to you but but Unless they are building up the church, and unless they are contributing to the church and to your spiritual health, then then, then we we shouldn't make them the majority issue. Uh, too many churches have split over things that at the end of the day shouldn't matter. Um, and, and if I were to mention a handful right now, it'd probably get me in trouble. And that's the point, isn't it? So Timothy, he is to be in Ephesus to say, set things straight. See to it that the people are staying focused on Jesus and centered on his gospel. And there it is in in verse five, right in the middle of what what we just read. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That is the key. But whenever false doctrine or distracted teaching uh, become the center of the church, what you're, what you're going to end up overlooking is the, the very, uh, fruit of the gospel, and that is love, purity, uh, good conscience, and a sincere heart. Well, from that he goes down uh, to, to really lay another theological foundation. Here, Paul is speaking, sort of. Um, Personally, about about his own story, but that of course applies to everyone within within the church. It's important for us to remember that that I am a believer by the grace of God, not because I am wiser than my neighbor. Uh, But it is exclusively by the grace of God and it'll be the grace of God your neighbor comes to know Christ and Paul confesses that here He starts in verse 12. I thank him who has given me strength Christ Jesus our Lord because he judged me faithful Appointed me to his service though formerly I was a blasphemer persecutor and insolent opponent But I received mercy because I had I had acted ignorantly in unbelief the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus the saying is trustworthy and deserving of a full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, and only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So you see Paul takes personal testimony uh, to remind Timothy of his primary function as a minister, and that is the propagation of the gospel. That's it. That is the primary job description, if you will, of the minister. Now he applied that earlier to to uh, keeping sound doctrine in the church, but now he, he, he says here that, look, the gospel is sufficient for everyone. I know that because it is sufficient for me. I am I was violent, and chances are you're, you're not going to meet someone who was as what was the term you used such an insolent opponent of God um, yet God's grace found me, and, and, and that that is the key to our understanding of the gospel. We don't know who will embrace Christ, but we do know that Christ's message of salvation is available to anyone who would receive it. It doesn't matter what they've done in the past, mistakes they've made. And so go and proclaim the gospel to anyone and everyone who would hear it and and you see there's two sections within that that part that is uh, quite significant Uh, some may debate the genesis of them um, and that's important because if paul is quoting a line a phrase a catechism or something like that that means the theology predates the writing of the book which um, uh, limits the the accusation of christianity's legend and myth and all that sort of stuff so there in verse 15 The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. So here is Christianity in a nutshell. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. I would say that if you're wanting to learn Christianity by means of catechism, that is where you should start. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I am foremost. I am the worst of sinners, yet Christ saved me. That is the gospel in a nutshell. Um, so you can tweet that, right? I mean, that, that is significant. Uh, and then verse 17 is, is um, really the theological root of that, isn't it? To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Right, you, you see that Paul quickly turns his testimony into worship. Because the more he thinks about who he was, and what Christ has done... The more he, he, the less he spends dwelling on who he was and more on who Christ really is. And that really is a key to dealing with um, uh, a sort of sorrow regarding our past, a temptation to allow our past to define us. Is that the more Paul thinks about his past, the, the more it draws him to worship of Christ in his, fe- in his present um, because he, 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 he recognizes what he has done and the consequences of that. At the same time he realizes god in his mercy has redeemed him and thus he is free well uh this is then all summarized uh, verse 18 quite simply he says this charge i entrust to you so here you have again the mentor given to the one he has mentored Um, i am charging you i am entrusting you with this responsibility see to it that people understand the gospel worship Christ as Savior, and that they pass it on to the next generation. I would say the number one mistake that Christians have made over the last 100 years has been the failure to, uh, uh, um, to pass the faith on to the next generation. Um, and think about it, that the people who were believers 100 years ago, if every single one of their children and every single one of their children and every single one of their children and so on and so forth where would the church of christ be right now right now be a different world wouldn't it that is a responsibility it's not the school's responsibility to educate your children particularly when it comes to pastoring your children it is your responsibility as mom and dad uh, may we recover that that vision and the the uh, warning he gives if we do not take seriously the pure gospel is there in verse 19. By rejecting this, the thing that Paul is entrusting Timothy with, some have made shipwreck of their faith. And he names two of them, Hyamaus and Alexander. Um, and um, we weep for that. But the reality is, is uh, too many of our churches can share similar names, can't we? we would take the gospel seriously and we would grow deep into the gospel and sound doctrine how much better would our lives be our churches be and our country be hope to see you guys here tomorrow chapter 2